0: hey there welcome to the show well i hope everybody's excited at this time of year i know i am and especially at this time of month because guess what you got it it's the real estate talk triangle with simply real estate and me your host Todd C. slater my usual panelists are joining me they've been here all year with me and i can't wait to have the final discussion of 2021 with them and we can do a recap and what we think 2022 is going to look like. Greg Bennell from B&M Bloomberg. He is a host and anchor there, always focusing on the economy and the effect on real estate. And Tim Siriano is broker of record for REMAX Ultimate, as well as a director at the Canadian Real Estate Association show. They've been part of my panel uh, all year long, and you know I'm very excited to kind of get their takes on everything as we go along and get through the uh, you know the balance of what happened this year. What did 2021 look like? I'm going to get to that with you all actually, and I'm going to give you some of my own opinions. I'm going to talk about a few other things that are coming up in the marketplace. You know, I normally top it off with some kind of rant and I won't get too wordy because, you know, we're near the end of the season here. You know, we're focusing on the new year as we always do at this time of year. And what is going to happen in the world of real estate? It's been a real interesting year to say the least. Speaking of interesting, you know, um, a lot of people set up New Year's resolutions and, you know, some people join a gym, some people decide to cut out certain things from either their diet or their lifestyle and others will turn around and say, hey, guess what? You know what? Maybe it's time that I own investment real estate. You know, I always throw that out there because most of you know that I am the simple investor and I do have my webinar coming up on Thursday, January the 6th at 7 p.m., and you can uh, go to the simpleinvestor.com to register. I do have a very special release that day. You can only find out about it that evening. And it is our newest release of townhomes. I'm not gonna say anything more about it other than you don't wanna miss out on this. This is an opportunity that rarely comes along and the price point is unbelievable. In fact, I don't think I've sold a townhome in this price range probably for the last five years. So uh, I think everybody should be excited about it, and I'm pretty sure you will be, and so make sure you do join us on on Thursday at 7pm. But um, other than that, you know, a lot going on as as we wind down the year, a lot of things that people are looking at uh, when the final numbers come in, you know, and for the first week of January, you know, all the uh, agencies will be reporting but it looks like it will be a record setting year for number of transactions by a fair bit, you know, actually staggering. Uh, we probably beat it uh, the the best year ever, which was 2016. We're probably gonna beat it by a good 8%. And I know a lot of people are saying, you know, all year long, all we hear you talk about is, you know, shortage of real estate, prices going up. Um, you know, and, and for clarity, if there was something I could do about affordability, I would do it because, you know, when we focus on real estate as real estate experts, and again, I'm I'm not a transactional realtor, um, you know, and I, I think I to go backwards just for a little for a second here because not everybody knows who and what I am. And I thought it would be great maybe if I just kind of give you a little bit of a, you know, overview. Um, yes, I do own a company called the Simple Investor Real Estate Group and we do work in the outer markets and we sell investment real estate and we focus on joint venture programs and really what we do is we focus primarily on people owning real estate long term, taking good care of their tenants, making sure things are affordable, make sure people have positive cash flow. You know, my background, I've been in real estate now for 35 years. I was a transactional realtor. I do not transact real estate that way. I uh, have been an advisor to lots of associations, government officials, and once upon a time, I was a contractor. So I have focused on the nuts and bolts, ground up brick and mortar of real estate, but the most important thing I do focus on is creating generational wealth for the next generation. And this is what I feel is the responsibility of us adults for our kids is creating something for their future. I am not trying to make people rich. I've always been focusing on creating security. And, you know, last two years have shown us that security is very important to people and it will be more so to the next generation. So, I just wanted to to kind of, you know, put that out there because I'm very fortunate because I am asked to go on a lot of the different shows uh, here on the Bell uh, Media Network as well as others and you know one of the things that uh, a lot of people are under the impression is that you know we're just for profit that we're just trying to focus on that and and we never have been you know we always know that if people can own real estate long term it's going to be- benefit the owners and it's going to be- benefit the next generation so this is a big part of our model and why i stay focused on you know areas like the outer markets it's affordable for people to buy it's affordable uh, for people to rent And this is very important to us as a company, to me as a person. Um, I do want people to create security for the next generation and give them an opportunity. So, you know, when we talk about what is happening to the pricing in real estate, I'm gonna tell you, it it does not make me happy listening to these increases, you know, 20% or year over year, you know, some markets 30% or 15%. That doesn't make me happy as a real estate investor. And I know people are saying, yeah, wait a minute, Todd, you can cash out. But you see, I don't believe in selling real estate. I believe that we need to have it long-term. And I think that uh, landlords have to be responsible. I think that they have to take care of their tenants, you know, take care of the properties. So for me, this is more of a long-term approach. And when we see these huge escalations, what it's doing, it's prompting landlords to sell Uh, To end users and that's now putting more pressure on the rental market. You know, I noticed an article that you know a lot of people are saying that it's the landlords that are creating the problems and I would say a lot of times it's landlords that are dispersing of the assets that can allow tenants to be evicted and you know people are allowed to sell to somebody that wants to go owner-occupied. That is the rules, regulations here in Ontario that if you sell your unit, you can turn around, uh, if it's a rental property, it's got a tenant in it for a while, you can give them proper notice, which you have to. You also have to give them one month's rent, but you have to give them proper notice and then you can move into it. What I don't condone and nor I will never condone is a landlord playing the game, kicking somebody out to say they're putting owner occupied and then quickly turn it around and try to get more rent with a new tenant. I believe that tenants have their rights, always have, and they always should. And a lot of their articles right now that are floating around in the media is that, that people are taking advantage of the situation and they are kicking good tenants out for greed and i do not agree with that i think when you have a natural vacancy landlords should be allowed to charge whatever's necessary for rent if they've done capital improvements and taken care of the properties but what i won't condone ever is people lying saying they're putting a family member in and then quickly turning around and then re-renting it for way more money i don't think it's fair and i think we do have to follow the rules i think that we have to have a meeting of the minds and we have to clean up the business so when I when I say clean up the business, you know, there's there's governing bodies and landlord tenant board, um definitely uh we know that it's sided more one way than the other. And the problem is is that a lot of things aren't taken into account of what happens in a rental transaction. And I think that that has to be cleaned up. So, you know, with all these campaign promises about, you know, oh, we're going to add this many houses. You and I both know that that's just trying to get your vote they need to clean up. They need to put more rental properties into the marketplace. First and foremost, they need to work on these things. They need some affordability. You know, I'll throw it out there to the premier. Anytime he wants to come on the show, I'd be happy to have him on. I've had the housing minister, Steve Clark, on before. You know, I've had the mayor Tory on and virtually most of the mayors in the GTA on. And we do know that there are inventory issues out there. You know, we have some government housing in the, and yeah, You know, they do get given budgets, but they just don't have the manpower nor the ability to get this stuff cleaned up. And so I'm going to tell you that I think 2022 is actually going to be the year of issues for rental properties and the lack of. You know, we've been dealing for 2021 with the issue of having, you know, very low inventory for people to buy. But I think I think the boomerang effect is going to happen to the rental market. And I think that if you are a... a, a, Decent landlord, you're taking care of your tenants, awesome. You know what, you're gonna have a great 2022. I think if we don't get more inventory into the marketplace, I think we're going to have a real issue. And this is where, you know, I am pleading some of these candidates to take a harder look at this marketplace. Don't make landlords suffer, give them more tools. And I don't necessarily mean money. I mean more avenues for them to improve rental properties, make them better add more inventory, get off your asses and actually do something with the properties that aren't being utilized and make them into rental properties. There are lots and lots of opportunities. You know, people people have asked me numerous times on numerous shows, you know, how do you solve the housing problem? And I don't have one fit, but I will tell you that we need to repurpose a lot of buildings that are out there. We need to give people more leeway to be able to put basement apartments in. We need to be able to create our own legal duplexes of our properties or triplexes. It's a suggestion that's been put to council. You guys got to get off your butts and get it approved. It'll make some residents more affordable. You know, yeah, we're going to increase our density. Well, that's reality if we want to live in the GTA. Density will happen. And ultimately, in the end, there are solutions out there for people. It's just we've got to get enough people to agree to make it happen and then make it happen. Promising us something in the future, five or ten years, isn't going to solve our problem. We need to solve this problem today. And I think that everybody, if we can turn around and get the right people in the right place, the right politicians to do the right thing, and I know I'm asking a lot, but we need to solve this problem. It's only going to get worse. And eventually when we do open up immigration, It's going to make it a lot harder for people. So, you know, that's my, that's kind of my rant on the, uh, you know, the overall analysis of 2021 and 2022. I think 2022 is going to be the year of the tenant and the lack of rental properties. So I think it's something we have to be mindful of. But, if you want, join me for my webinar. It's the Simple Real Estate Investment Webinar. It's going to be on Thursday, January the 6th at 7 p.m. Go to the thesimpleinvestor.com to register. Uh, great announcement, uh, some new product that we're bringing to the market. And um, other than that, you know what? Coming up after the break, it's the Real Estate Talk Triangle. And uh, I can't wait to get my guests on, Tim Sirianos and Greg Benell. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this and welcome back so as i mentioned just before the break this is the time for the real estate talk triangle my panelists this year um you know i gotta give them some kudos before we get into it uh tim serianos uh he's broker owner of remax ultimate he's past president of the toronto real estate board currently a director at canadian real estate association and greg Bennell, host anchor BNN bloomberg definitely focusing on real estate you know, it's been an honor to have them on this year with us being our uh, our final comment for 2021. Um, Just so you know, their comments are strictly their opinions and their opinions only and do not have any part of their affiliation with their associations. But guys, welcome back for the final one in 2021. Oh, it's
1: great to be back. Thanks for having us.
2: And a wild year to recap, and of course, I know you're going to make us make wild guesses too about next year. So it's all uh, going to be fun. Uh,
1: well, you know what?
0: We've uh, we get to kill you know a little better part of three quarters of an hour with this, so I hope to have some fun with you. And again, you know, uh, Greg, you did kind of touch on, you know, what's going to happen next year, but I don't want to jump down there quite yet. I want to talk about, and I wish I wish we had the ability of going, hey, what was the show like last uh, December? Uh, but it was kind of <laughs> funny, you know, um, we have the same problem, and, you know, now we're coming up on a provincial election, and... Tim, Greg, you, you, you hear the headlines. Everybody is making real estate the biggest deal. I'm almost thinking that we're almost going to, you know, pass the COVID conversation because everybody's talking about real estate and the price and everything else. And guys, we got so much to discuss with today. But Tim, I'm going to get you, give me a quick recap on 2021. Greg, I'll have you do uh, the same afterwards.
1: Well, sure. It's my pleasure. I mean, we were here, what, a year ago talking about what the numbers are going to be like. Uh, I predicted somewhere around 118 to 120,000. We can play it back. We're going to surpass that. I think we're going to probably be somewhere around 122 or 123,000 sales. I was incorrect in my prediction of, of, uh, you know, having a 14 or 13% increase in prices. We've had a 21% almost. I mean, it's just been absolutely, Uh, who would ever think that we'd we'd have this kind of market going through a pandemic Uh, watched watched rates remain really low watched the inventory just continue to plummet uh but most importantly what we saw was the rebound of the rental market and we saw the rebound of the condo market uh to the hardest hit markets um you know during 20 you know 20 and um you know, a lot of people talking about what's going to happen in the end of the year, how it's going to end. Uh, where a lot of people will be, will they be buying uh, in anticipation of rising interest rates in 2022? Um, I personally did not have not, even though some agents are going on air and talking about. You know, a lot of buys have happened uh, now in anticipation. I really look at the numbers, and I and I really see that you know having. Uh, maybe three or four hundred more sales than last November is not an indicator of people really moving and and rushing to in uh, worry of higher interest rates. So it's been that kind of year, and um, we've been pretty close and accurate to uh, our prediction at the beginning.
0: Yeah, I'm glad, uh, Tim. I'm glad you can remember the numbers. Um, I I do as well. You know, I wish we had our little bingo cards out and we'd have the markers that you and Greg and I put out. But I think we all were in agreement that. You know, we were going to surpass, and and this year will probably mark the biggest uh, number of transactions in real estate history in the GTA. Am I correct, Tim?
1: You're absolutely correct. The highest uh, was back in 2016 that just clipped 113,000. That was the year uh, that I was entering my term as president of TREB, (laughs) and then I saw the plummet happen. In seventeen down to ninety-two thousand, then eighteen to seventy-eight thousand. So uh I lived through the turbulent uh you know year and a half of, of watching the government intervention. Um that is going to be the topic, I think, at some point today of twenty twenty-two. What will change the market? Will it be interest rates or government intervention?
0: So, Greg, I don't want to jump ahead on that one yet, even though Tim had you know put it out there nicely for us. I do want your take on 2021 if you remember back a year ago when we had this conversation taking a look at it are you are you surprised at 2021 you you speak with all the major economists um all the time maybe you can give us your insight
2: my memory is always poor but i think when we were having this conversation last year uh when i talked about borrowing costs and what the central banks would do i'm pretty sure that i would have said there is no rate hike on the table for this year that we have just lived through. And indeed, it ended up being the year of the continuation of cheap money. That's not the only thing that powered the housing market. But I think about the ongoing story, and obviously this goes back to 2020, and the start of the pandemic, where when you have a calamity, as Tim was talking about, like it's incredible to see the housing market react this way through the calamity that is the global pandemic. Uh, but you had the government step up to the tunes of tens and tens and tens of billions of dollars. So households were kept afloat. Businesses, I know, barely kept afloat. But there was a lot of money pushed out the door. So we didn't allow households to go over the edge. Uh, there was deferrals of mortgages. And, that's, and that was still a this year story in the sense that Some of the support programs for workers and the wage subsidy to get people back on the payroll, they kept getting extended all the way through this year. So you had the cheap money if you wanted to go borrow and get a mortgage. And at the same time, you had all these supports still in place to make sure that we didn't have an economic calamity along with a health calamity. So I think you start putting those things together and you get a clearer picture of like, okay, because I mean, leading... In the years before the pandemic, any guests who would come on, I'd say, well, what, what could undo the Canadian housing market? People seem to have such faith in housing. They're like, big recession, huge amount of job losses. People, Three million people lost their job at the beginning of the pandemic. Big recession. And yet, we are where we are right now. So we didn't get the hikes this year. The money stayed cheap. Uh, Tiff one of when he first took the job in 2020, said, you can go out and borrow. Don't worry. Rates will stay low for a very long time. So they did. The money was cheap this year next year. I know you want to get to that a little. We're throwing a lot of teasers out there, aren't we? Next year going to be a different story.
0: So, you know, I think uh, a big part of the narrative that came out, and both you gentlemen can throw in on this, um, is the unaffordability of real estate in 2021. In fact, I would think that that was the the biggest case of wine that has been poured, um, is the fact that real estate has become so unaffordable. And yet, you know it's still being consumed uh on a daily basis tim can you weigh in on that
1: well i mean we had people leave the city uh, reevaluate their lives and and push out to the suburbs to try to get more you know more space in their real estate uh now we're seeing people you know starting to come back in uh there's been conversation about the foreign investment uh, there was a foreign buyer's tax put in there's been different measures now it seems that there's a target on domestic investment, right? Um, the domestic investor, the person who lives here, who already owns a house um, or property, and they want to refinance and they want to buy a second property, and a third property. I mean, when you watch, you know, values increase. You know, we talked about 2016, 2017. Like the average price, if I'm if I'm not mistaken, was somewhere around 700, 730. Um, the average price today is is 1.1, 1.2. So. You know, people see that in real estate, and they and they find that maybe if there's one thing that I I I can really be confident in is I have to sleep somewhere, I have to live somewhere. Might as well buy you know a home and live in it, and that might be my best opportunity to save some money and make some money in the future.
0: So, Greg, can you give us your take on the
1: affordability?
2: You know what, on the affordability stuff, and I've been thinking about this lately. I think I might have brought it up in one of our chats several months ago, but in my head. When I think back to my parents' generation, the reason why my dad came to Ontario, because he was born and raised in Newfoundland, uh, there was there was no jobs, right? Young guy could maybe get four or five weeks of work, and then you're off again before. So he moves to Ontario. So in my head, it was always about people came here to find work. But then I talked to two of my buddies, uh, one of them family from Liverpool, one family from Glasgow. They came here in the early 70s because of the opportunity to own real estate. They had good paying jobs back home, but they left their families and their friends and their siblings because they didn't see a path to home ownership. So it makes me think at what point in this market, if the affordability remains this strained, Do younger people, those people just starting off their life, take a look, and I'm not talking about leaving Canada, but do they look at Calgary? Do they look at other cities where life's a little more affordable? Uh, Because I don't see these pressures easing anytime soon. And something, I mean, something's got to give, right? At some point, the math doesn't make sense for a young family when maybe you go to Calgary, maybe you go to Halifax, maybe you go somewhere else in this country and don't pay $1.1 million for a house.
0: Yeah, I think that's a great point. And with that point, folks, we're going to go to a quick break, but you are listening to the Real Estate Talk Triangle. My panel have been all year. Tim Serianos, Greg Bennell. We're doing a wrap up here, taking a hard look at 2021. And if you want to know what 2022 is going to look like, then stay tuned. We'll be right back after this and welcome back if you're just tuning in this part of our show is called the real estate talk triangle with my panelists who join me every single month and i i have to tell you as i mentioned earlier in the show just i'm thrilled to have them on each month and contribute to the narrative of what is going on in the world of real estate, Tim Sirianos, he's broker owner of Remax Ultimate, former president of the Toronto Real Estate Board, currently a director at the Canadian Real Estate Association. Greg Bennell, yeah, you can catch him on the BNN Bloomberg Network. He is a anchor and host and definitely talking about real estate. So uh, gentlemen, just before the break, you know, I was pushing a little bit on the affordability and, you know, that was one of the biggest comments that we had for 2021, that affordability just went out the door. And yet, um, Tim, you know, you and I talked about it. We have had the greatest number of transactions basically coming through the real estate boards. And so where do we sit with this? I mean, you know, we, we've got, you know, affordability going out, but volume going up. Tim, you and I talk about this all the time. Inventory. This is going to be a big issue during the election. Is there a solution to the inventory problem?
1: You know, I, I believe that the only way that there will be a solution to the inventory problem, aside from building more properties and aside from making it easier with zoning, uh, and I have a couple of examples I can share, you know, with you and Greg and the listeners, you know, right now is to look at history and look at when this actually started. Started. Um, it's not serendipity, you know, when you look at the land transfer tax in Toronto uh, being introduced in 2008, implemented in 2009, If you go back to all the models of real estate, you're going to see a gradual decline of inventory hitting the marketplace since 2010. It's been a problem for the last 11 years, more so than it's been before that. So what I don't want to start seeing is, you know, more, you know, taxes being introduced as a way to cool the market, because that's already demonstrated that that will not add to the inventory challenge that we're having right? We need to look at these things. The other example, if you don't want me sharing, you know, mind me sharing with you is, you know, look at the Bassarian, um, you know, uh, station that's located on Shepherd Avenue between Leslie and Bayview. It was opened in 2003. Um, it, the, it's the lowest ridership, the lowest visited station for, for transit um, until recently, because all the properties that are located around it, there were no condos, they're all single family homes and people use their car to drive and do everything. Today, it's actually started to increase in today's day and, and, and time, because when you're along Shepherd Avenue, all you see is condos, but it literally took you know, 17, 18 years. So what am I saying is that we need to have governments really look at uh, working together. There's a lot of topics right now in the media about exclusionary zoning being revisited, allowing multi-res being built, it, this is this, this is where it needs to start. We need to look at neighborhoods, not have the not-in-my-backyard kind of mindset, and start to um, look at how to get things moving through uh, zoning and municipal offices faster.
0: You know, uh, which is a great point, Tim, and I want to bring it up to Greg. But, Greg, I don't want you to lose your job on this. So, again, these are not the <laughs> opinions of being and Bloomberg. Uh, come on. You know, we're coming into an election year. Uh, the biggest thing that the – you know, the parties are jumping up and down, trying to buy their votes, talking about real estate. You know, everybody's putting in the pressure. Let's let the... One of the biggest things that I find in some of these commitments are, you know, let's reduce the price of real estate. Let's force the market. They want a bubble. They want to crash. They want all of this. They want 2014 prices again. Greg, it's never going to happen. The truth be told, the best we can do, I think, is maybe flatline the market as opposed to having these big jumps. You know, where do where can we apply pressure to the politicians and what have you heard? Because, again, listening to some of the narrative for some of these parties, there is no way any of them are going to meet the commitments that they are offering up.
2: The thing I think, Tim, the word you threw out faster right? Because I, I agree with you, all politicians of all stripes are saying, we're going to have a plan, don't worry, it's coming. Oh, we're going to do this, we're going to do that. When I think about the changes that are happening where I live, I live uh, in downtown Brampton, people will laugh that there's a downtown, but come on, there's a downtown Queen in Maine. And and they have bought up a bunch of the old bu- buildings, you know, those old ones built in the 60s on one or two stories. There's condo towers planned for the whole area. It's right beside the train station. It's everything that we should be doing. And my God, it is taking forever to get there, there's a there's finally a condo complex, two towers some townhomes right beside the ghost station platform that is being built. It looks like maybe it'll come online in terms of being able to live in it next year. I went to that place with my kids when they were little, four and two years old, went through the showroom. I got one in university now, one in grade 11, I, I, faster. When you said the word faster, Tim is sort of, you don't want to throw all the rules at the door. You want to go the right process, but the time it takes to actually get the supply to come online. That's why you're still worried about 2022. We know that the answer is, okay, if there's huge demand and not enough available units, then let's build more units. But the pace that it moves, and I think anyone who's looking at their community and seeing the necessary changes, I believe they are necessary. You need to change the composition of housing in these nodes, right? Whether it's Brampton or Oakville, all the, you know, Oshawa around that build around transit, but it just takes forever.
0: Well, Greg, you know, and you'll be happy to know that your marketplace is one of the fastest growing marketplaces in Canada. So Brampton had a huge increase <laughs> this year, which which is not surprising. You know, um, you know, lots of square footage, not that far off the city, close to Pearson, things like that. And of course, this is some of the drivers into these marketplaces. But back to the narrative for a second regarding the government and their commitments. The problem that I have is the fact that they make commitments for 5 to 10 years out which is not going to you know create a solution today which means it's only going to compound so by year 5 whatever they think they're going to be making is going to you know barely be you know a, a spit in the bucket so greg when we're talking to the politicians like how do we get them to get off their hands and their asses today to make something happen today
2: I'm I'm, I'm putting it on you, Greg. If I I was in the war, if I was in the war room with them, what would I tell them to do? You know, I'm I'm starting to feel the same way, guys. Like words, words, pretty words all the time. Right. Every time I listen, everyone's, you know, because we've been through. A calamity and we're going to be coming up in two years of living through this calamity and everyone's got a lot of words and ideas but yeah where are the shovels in the ground where are the concrete solutions i think it's going to come down to just uh what tim was saying right that uh, we're going to have to figure out a way when it comes to zoning when it comes to other things to finally put a plan into action and when we talk about how long this takes I used to be a Queen's Park reporter. That was in 2005. That's a long time ago. I remember being in the media briefing where they talked about concentrated building, whether it was downtown Brampton or downtown Oakville or downtown Oshawa, that we need to build around these nodes. My God, that was 2005, right? The speed at which we're moving. Yeah, wow. you just have to, to to get going faster. I don't know if if, if yeah if, uh, people can put the pressure on politicians and say, we've heard the pretty words about real estate for years. Show us something concrete,
0: Tim, I think the answer is we've got to get them to give us day and month um, numbers as opposed to years. Like, if you, uh, you know, I'll tell you, somebody's going to get a vote from me if they could turn around and say, as of June 2022, we're going to remove half the red tape for developers. You know, I'd
1: actually we- say, okay, let's see the platform. What do you think? We need. We need to look at having somebody from all levels of government come back and say, in 2003, it took seven years to get something approved. In 2012, it took five. In 2021, guys, it's taking three, okay? So we need to have them say to us, how fast, like what is the actual turnaround time that your goal is to achieve? Is it six months? Is is it a year? Like a realistic goal? Because if you're going to wait three years to get an approval and then five years to build it, You're already at eight, nine years. There's no way we're going to catch up. It's just impossible. So we need to, maybe that's the way to do it. Not to give us a day, um, but actually give us like a timeline of what they're expecting their offices to turn around, you know, decisions on.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know what, if somebody ran that platform and actually backed it up, you know, not just lip service, I think we'd actually come to some kind of solution here. But, you know, this is this is going to be, this is just going to continue to be a mess. And my problem that I'm having, and, you know, we get all sorts of emails, and when I'm on the different shows, people are saying, oh, it's just you greedy real estate people. It's not that. we would, I know for a fact, Tim, as a broker, nothing would make you happier if everybody could afford a home. Okay, that's, that's part of what we're trying to create for people. We're not trying to create just wealth on one side and create a gap on the other.
1: Nothing makes me happier than having, as you said, more people being able to afford a home. I'm a father first and a broker second. Um, you know, we've talked about this in previous shows. I want my three daughters to be able to own one day. I want them to own real estate. Nothing makes me happy about escalating prices. Um, but again, we have to look at the policies that are being put in place you know the the injection of of uh, the policies that the way they changed with the CERB and then the you know doubling up by lowering rates to, to levels that kind of fueled and there there are ways to fix this right. Um, will you fix it by reducing prices? Absolutely not. I agree, I agree with your uh, earlier comment that I do not see prices coming down, but I do see the the opportunity to have prices you know kind of very much slow down <laughs> and then allowing um the the inventory to come by actually having approved projects to be built and hitting the market
0: tell you what guys we're gonna go to a quick break but folks when we come back i've got more with tim serianos and greg Benell. so stay with us we'll be right back after this and welcome back. If you're just tuning in, you've missed two segments of the show that I think you're going to want to go backwards and definitely listen to. This is our Real Estate Talk Triangle. And it's our, uh, you know, our wrap up for 2021. And my panelists all year have been partaking in, and adding huge amount of knowledge and value. And I can't thank them enough for doing it with me. Tim Serianos, broker owner, of Remax Ultimate and he's currently a director at the Canadian Real Estate Association. Greg Bennell, catch him on VNM Bloomberg, and he is a host and anchor there. Gentlemen, you know, we've been we've been beating around the fact that, you know, what we're looking at, some of the causes, some of the problems, you know, the election coming up. So here we go. Let's take a look. You know, Tim, I asked you this. Greg, I asked you this last year as well. If we whip out our crystal balls, what does 2020 do, 2022 do for us? I'm going to ask our producer, Ian Grant, to earmark this, put a little pin in it. So <laughs> next year, guys, we're going to whip this one out so we can turn around and say,
2: Hey, archive guess this one. Yeah. You got it. Forward. You
0: got it. So here, here we go. <laughs> Tim,
1: what do you think 2022 is going to look like? Well, thanks. Put me on the hot seat first. I was actually looking forward to hearing Greg's (laughs) comments.
2: Well,
1: no, listen, I'm going to be totally candid that I I haven't had the full opportunity to give a wholesome prediction, but I will. Okay. Um, and the reason why I haven't been able to give a wholesome prediction is because I'm my biggest concern is government government intervention. Um, I'm really interested to see what they're going to do. We We have an election year coming in. Uh, real estate is a number one topic. I am concerned about the possibility of an increasing capital gains tax or an increasing vacancy tax or or going after domestic investors, as they're calling them right now, and seeing what kind of effect it would have on the mindset of the market more so than the real effect on what you know should be going on. There is a model I want to share with you that I always uh, believe in and follow, and that is for every 1% an interest rate increase, there is a 7% decrease in sales, but a 1% increase won't happen in one month. It's going to happen over a year as what they're predicting. So even if you had a 1% increase, um, you know, throughout, you know, fiscal, you know, 12 month uh, period, you're looking at somewhere around 8,000 less sales than we had in 2021. So in in what I'm predicting is that we're going to see possibly um, the second best real estate market um, in 2022, um, for those reasons, just because of, you know, watching, you know, what the government's going to promise, you know, throughout the first half uh, of 2022. Uh, values, I, I really do believe that we are going to uh, be very, very close, if not over double digits as, again. I do you agree with some of the reports that we're seeing around 12 to 13 percent increase next year
0: wow okay so there's a fairly bold prediction folks so tim serianos he's throwing out his cap at about sounds like about one hundred fifteen thousand transactions tim i'm just going to kind of summarize yeah,
1: 1718 and, around there yep I, yeah, i'm, I'm and, very and,
0: comfortable with that and a 10 percent. so greg you know um now that tim paved the way for you you can either hop on his coattails or you can stick your own neck out what do you think
2: I'll, you know, I'll stick with the politics and the monetary policy because I'm not going to, you know, Tim. Tim's business is, you know, getting people into houses, so he knows that end of it much better than me. But when it comes, when Tim said we're going to see higher borrowing costs, the central banks, uh, just in recent days, and I've been surprised at how strong their tone is, they are far more concerned about the soaring inflation that we've seen at this point than they are about the pandemic, Uh, to the point where several days ago, Jerome Powell, you know, US Federal Reserve, the most powerful central bank in the world, he basically said he thinks that the economy is learning to live with the pandemic. So he's not afraid about, overly concerned that the economic recovery that we've been enjoying so far is gonna get derailed. So that basically sets them up and sets our central bank up. We've been hearing this from all central bankers to raise borrowing costs next year. Uh, Tim's right again, it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to happen in increments. But if they can stay on that course, By the time we're having this discussion next year, it's very easy to imagine 100 basis points, a full percentage point higher, or maybe even 125 basis points if they can be as aggressive to that. So on the monetary policy side, they have given us a clear warning, whether it's our central banks south of the border, uh, that the cheap money has come to an end. You don't need emergency borrowing rates. On the political side, the spring budget, I think, from the federal government will be key because we had the fiscal update recently, and they didn't say a lot about housing, other to say that or we're going to have more ideas in terms of how to to combat this in the spring budget. So that's going to be a wild card, right? That's always the wild card. What's interesting, though, in recent years, and we've talked about this, when you see government intervention and regulation, the market has pulled back on that, and then it just jumps that hurdle again. So, yeah, there, there probably would be, if something in there is pretty dramatic, you might see the market react the way it has in the past, but then God knows how Canadian real estate just keeps charging on.
0: So I don't know if you gentlemen want to know my opinion. But yeah, I'll, throw it. Bring I'll, it. I'll, I'll, I'll <laughs> throw it out there anyways, because, you know, Tim, I, I like the fact that you gave us absolute numbers. I feel Greg was a little wishy-washy on that one. You know, he play, he's playing it safe. Here's the thing. U.S. Fed's telling us probably three increases minimum throughout the year. Okay, Of course, Canada has to follow like the little brother that they are. So if you're looking at three increases, Greg and I both know normally quarter point, right, Greg? So about three quarters, you're saying up to 1%, got it. Tim, you, you pinned it at, you know, probably the second best real estate market. I actually think I'm going to pull back and say the third. I think your volume is going to drop to about 110, uh, transactions just below that peak year before you became president. <laughs> And wreck the market. <laughs> um, so, yeah, sure, I wrecked the
1: market. Of course, I did. <laughs> so I'm gonna. Hey, I'm I'm gonna made throw, it, I made it the most affordable market then. That's How's right. That you, money did, money? you did.
0: You yeah. did. I agree. So, so here's the thing. So I, I, I'm gonna throw in around that 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 number. It could be close to 2016, maybe 110 to 112. I'm only gonna throw it out there, only because. Inventory is not going to get any easier. We're going to struggle with this. We don't have a lot of new builds We don't have a lot of stuff that's going to transact. I think the fear of interest rates is going to come into play I'm going to also peg increases and this is the problem is that if we do it uh, from a national perspective Probably top at 8% maybe 9 I don't know if we're going to hit double digit and if Omicron uh, continues to play with people's minds um, I do think that it might check up a few people, but it may also check up some of the advancement of the interest rate. So there's a lot of variables, but you know what, Tim? I will throw my hat in at being the third best, not second, and I'll throw in about an 8% increase. And, Greg, I agree, probably 1% interest rate hike throughout the year. I think the last one coming in somewhere, you know, uh, later in the year. And that's just to give everybody a little bit of kick just before they get into the Christmas season. So that's my prediction. And so I'm hoping that Ian can turn around earmark this so we can definitely uh, follow up with it. But um, I would love just to get your final thoughts, Tim, for the year. The year that passed or the year that's going to be? Yeah, no, just the year, just overall. You know what? What do you think? You feel real estate's healthy? You think we're all going, we're we're going to stay this way?
1: You know, again, I, I'm going to stick to what I said earlier. Um, I know for sure that the first six months of 2022 will be uh, a lot busier than the back half. Uh, that's why I've also predicted. I took into account the the idea of the uh, the interest rate increase, uh, pullback on sales, uh, the mindset of the consumer. Um, I do believe that we're not going to sustain these, you know, increases in values going forward. Um, so if people are out there, listen, you know, thinking about uh, uh, becoming investors, uh, this, this is not the time to do it. Uh, this is a perfect time uh, for people who are looking to be homeowners for their families and to plan for their future. Um, that's what 2022 will, will be the symbol um, and the beacon of hope for.
2: Excellent. And Greg, your thoughts? Man, that was profound. I got to follow that up. <laughs> uh, basically, yeah, I don't think the dynamics are going to unwind when we flip the calendar over to 2022. Uh, I'm, I have the same concern about affordability, right? And we were talking about it earlier. It, does it get to a point where people, despite wanting to stay with their social connections and networks and family, just have to find somewhere else to live because they can't afford to live in the market? That's what worries me about the market, right? You don't want to see a collapse in it. It's important to the economy. You don't want to see a collapse in prices, but at the same time, you don't want to see this continued expansion. Acceleration where people give up on the GTA, give up on the Greater Vancouver area, and maybe other people who are from other parts of the country say, "Yeah, give up and come our way." But uh, it's it's not healthy for our local economy in the long run if we can't sort this in.
0: Well, gentlemen, uh, once again, I do want to thank you for being part of the show every month this year. It's been an honor to have you come on, and been really exciting with some great conversation. I look forward to our our first meeting end of January 2022 and that way we can maybe get a bit of a pulse on what's going on but once again thank you so much for an incredible year.
1: It's been great having being on here with uh, w- with yourself and Greg and uh, I I like I wish you a very, you know, happy holiday going forward. Excellent. Thank it's you. It's always so a much, great Tim. chat. Enjoy the holidays my friends.
0: Excellent. Thank you so much Greg and Tim and uh, we will talk soon. Well, that was great having our Real Estate Talk Triangle, you know, final thoughts for the year. And, um, you know, I, I got to say, it's been a real pleasure being able to, you know, host this show every single Sunday. And I just want to wish everybody all the best for the holidays and a very prosperous 2022. I think that it's going to be a excellent market. And as you heard from our panelists, they'll agree. Maybe we're going to have a bit of more bumps and grinds, but... 2022 is looking very promising. So I do want to thank my producer, Ian Grant. You know what? He's made it an incredible year. I can't do it without him. And also, I cannot do it without you. Thank you for making us the number one real estate talk show. And I am your host, Todd C. Slater. I will be talking to you next year.